We're back in the UK this week and we're off north, the far north. And in the case of one of our breweries, as far north as you can go, and then a little bit further north. As we explore the islands, highlands and lowlands of Scotland with a box of beer from Beer 52 that I got in November of 2019. And we're getting to the point now where all these beers were in date. Everything had a long date, most of them were actually end of 2020. Let's get into it and see where this trip around Scotland will take us. Before we head around Scotland, I just want to apologise for the quality this time out. My mic volume wasn't set properly and it recorded far, far too loud. Although I've managed to level a few things, a lot of the speech in the articles does come out a little bit distorted. My apologies for that. Anyway, enjoy Scotland. This is taken from the Beer 52 Ferment magazine, Scotland the Brave. Scotland's brewing industry was in the doldrums until a few hot-forward pioneers led the way out. Now it's finding a diverse and sophisticated voice, all of its own, by its Beer 52, Richard Crowstown. I really want this guy's job, seriously. They pay him to go research all the breweries and bring back all the beer. Although its traditional styles are often lumped into the general British category, Scotland has a long rich history of brewing, and many of its classic styles are still brewed and enjoyed in the towns and villages across the nation. Certain styles, such as Scottish Ale and the Wee Heavy, have found their way into the craft lexicon too, as new brewers look around the world to seek out long-forgotten styles, in particular those with a strong malt profile suitable for barrel aging. While this is part of their heritage though, there's no doubt that most of Scotland's best-known craft breweries are motivated by the love of the American craft movement. We love hops on top of hops on top of hops, sweet malt and big juicy flavours. And it's on this formula that Scotland's homegrown craft beer scene has gone from strength to strength in recent years. This lust for lupulin can arguably be traced back to one particularly influential brewery and, try as we might, it is impossible to discuss the evolution of Scottish craft beer without addressing the big dog in the room. While it's true that Brewdog has turned many craft purists off with its attention-grabbing stunts and open thirst for mainstream success, it has also achieved much good. It helped not only put Scotland and the entire UK on the international beer map, provided a gateway for micro-beer drinkers and particularly for its smaller Scottish neighbours, given a great deal of practical and moral support. Whether you're travelling around the Highlands or Eastern Europe, it's common to hear brewers talking about the inspiration and experience they gained during a stint in Ellen. In 2019, Scottish breweries were certainly not living in Brewdog shadow. Several, such as Harvestune, Tempest, Drygate, Black Isle and Williams Brothers, have become true household names. Then there's the new wave, including such names as Pilot, Cross Borders and Fierce, all of whom have carved their own distinctive path, gradually expanding from their local market to wow drinkers up and down the country. And of course, there's the likes of Edinburgh's Vault City, which has recently been setting rate beer alight with its complex and delicious mixed fermentation creations. When breweries grow, the bar scene flourishes, and the past few years have seen an explosion of choice Scottish drinkers and drinkers everywhere else. 
Visit the big lowland cities of Edinburgh and Glasgow, and you're never far from a craft beer pub or bottle shop, serving up local fresh brews, and supported by an ecosystem of bloggers, Instagrammers, and ordinary drinkers, spreading the word. But the revolution has spread beyond the affluent, populous central belt, and the fact that industrial highland towns such as Peterhead has its own speciality sour beer bar, is perhaps a more striking example of Scotland's maturity as a beer nation, but the signs are everywhere. Of course, it's not pure coincidence. Scotland is the home of Harriet Watt University's International Centre for Brewing and Distilling, arguably the most respected hatchery for baby breweries anywhere in the world. Yeah, one of the uh, two guys from Brewdog went there. Go to the most remote brewery on the other side of the world and you're likely to find an ICBD graduate mixing science and craft to create something new and exciting and telling tales of their time in Edinburgh. Scottish independent brewing suffered badly in the 80s and 90s and many of the beloved traditional breweries either closed or were bought out. So grabbing hold of the American craft beer boom 15 years ago felt like a way to get back on the map or at least have something more interesting to drink. Today though, Scotland is able to stand on its own two feet, producing a range of beers as diverse and high quality as you'll find anywhere, without just leaning on the more hops button. It's a nation known throughout the world for its whiskey. It's hard to imagine another drink taking root in quite a way beer has over the past few years. People are genuinely proud of their local brewery, and are always keen to tell, just like the country's distilleries. Scotland's breweries are once again becoming part of the community's identities, and with such a diverse and exciting range of breweries, a proliferation of great bars, and a drinking public who are as passionate as they are knowledgeable, Scotland seems to have a new national drink. Our first beer comes from north of the capital Edinburgh. Six degrees north, to be precise. Sixteen miles south of Aberdeen, in the town of Stonehaven, we find the brewery six degrees north. Again, going back to Beer 50s from Ember Magazine, this is what Richard Trostale wrote. Six degrees of class. I'm still not entirely sure how I've never made it to Six Degrees North Brewery until now. After so many years of enjoying their beers, hanging out in their bars, and even spending a week travelling around Belgium with their founder, Robert Lindsay. Different Robert Lindsay, not the actor. But I'm glad to have finally made the drive to Scotland's beautiful east coast to Stonehaven, just south of Aberdeen. While Robert did a great job of introducing me to the full wonder of Belgian beer back in 2017, his own journey was more a wonderful accident. Seconded to Brussels to help launch mobile platforms for Scottish Telecom in the late 90s, he entertained himself by roaming the city's weird and wonderful bars. It was here he discovered the huge depth of beer and beer culture that the country had to offer, a million miles away from cheap lager and bland ales of his native Britain. Determined to discover the secret alchemy behind these amazing beers, he travelled the country for homebrew clubs. The only problem was, with such quality available in every bar and grocery store, why on earth would anyone bother brewing their own? Eventually he heard about a brewer near Ghent, he was planning a course of lessons for people in the village. Robert signed up right away. The resulting beer was a revelation for Robert, that with the right knowledge and some basic kit, it was possible to brew to a professional standard. Cogs began to turn. When he returned to the UK in 2002, he was committed to creating the UK's first explicitly Belgian-style brewery. 
using Belgian yeast strains and brew techniques to create authentic Belgian tasting beers. I'll pause there a sec, I'm just going to segue for a second. There's a brewery in America which had exactly the same mantra. They're called New Belgium. Um, but after several years of struggling to sell purely Belgian beers, they decided they'd probably better diversify into more common styles that people want. Back to the article, let's see what Robert Lindsay did, shall we? His intention was always to have a bar from which to sell his beer, and the Creel Inn at Stonehaven was an obvious choice, followed by another bar, the Marine Hotel. By 2012, he finally had the funds to set up a dedicated brewery. And, as luck would have it, a use on Calgate, immediately behind the Marine Hotel, became available. This was quickly followed by the first Six Degrees North Bar in Aberdeen, which was at the time going through an oil boom. It was the perfect spot, allowing Robert to recreate his favourite Brussels bars in the centre of Aberdeen. Fortunately, others agreed. Rapidly increasing demand meant to move out of Calgate and into the current brewery. While walking around today's brewery floor, Robert's original passion is clearly still alive and well. From the Swansea Day posters on the walls to the traditionally jacketed mash tun, a must for any true Belgian-style stepped mashing, Six Degrees North is still steeped in the profound respect for Belgian beer and culture. But things have definitely evolved into hop-forward styles that one would associate with the more modern craft beer movement. The brewery's IPAs are excellent and have allowed it to make great inroads into more mainstream bars and retailers. There is now a volume side of the business, embodied by a handful of much larger fermentation vessels meeting this demand. But marketing manager Matt Carrington assures me that this is an addition which gives Robert and his team the commercial space to pursue more of what really interests them. We stay true to Robert's vision of being experimental, authentic and collaborative. He says, the volume stuff allows us to do more left-field products and introduces our beers to a greater range of people, including exports to Russia, Italy, Switzerland, Norway, and now even Belgium. So it's kind of cool full circle there, hasn't it? It's opened a lot of doors for some really interesting collaborations. We've always enjoyed collaborating with other breweries across the UK and Europe. That's really taken off. It's great because it gives everyone a wealth of experience of different styles and techniques. They often end up being a real exchange of knowledge. It's true that some of Six Degrees recent collaborations have been among the best beers I've tasted in 2019, and Matt is excited to show me the three barrels that they are ready for bottling. These are part of the recent collaboration with Salt Beer Factory down in Chipley in Yorkshire. It's a gozer, half of which we've bottled, the other half is being barrel aged. Before they were filled, we got a fisherman to drop them in the North Sea for three weeks and then retrieve them. It's something Robert's wanted to do for ages, but was just waiting for the right beer. They should be ready in about six weeks, so we're really excited for that. Like every single Six Degrees North beer, the salt collaboration will be naturally conditioned through secondary fermentation. No forced carbonation is ever used. As well as the recent rebrand, the new packaging is a big step up and there will be more exciting developments on the horizon. Robert has secured a new site for the brewery where it will be able to increase its capacity and build a dedicated taproom. Another long-held ambition. While it is great to see Six Degrees North receiving the commercial success it deserves for its impeccable brewing, it's also reassuring that the Brussels love affair that started our adventure is still burning bright. 
And I'm not just saying that because I work at Bullets Edinburgh Bar, and I'm hoping for a free pint or two. So that's a little bit of the history of Six Degrees North with a little bit of annotation from myself. Six Degrees North are usually a really great brewery. I've had several of their beers before. My first experience of Six Degrees North was at the Stoneworks Craft Beer Bar in Peterborough in July of 2016. And then it was almost a year, the end of April 2017, before I tried them again, when I had their ATC 1.3 A6, which is an imperial stout. And this particular walnut was brewed in casks. Sourced from Abnum, the Abnums do their non-whiskey whiskey in called Spirit of Broadside. And then before this week, the last time I had them was at Brewdog in Manchester on the 16th of October. 2019, so round about the time this box of beer was being put together. The Six Degrees North beer that came in this box was a New Zealand pale ale called ETAP. So here's the description of ETAP out of the back of the Beer 52 from the magazine. ETAP DDH pale, Six Degrees North. ABV 3.8% style DDH pale. Tasting notes. ETAP is a double dry hopped pale presenting bold stone fruit flavours from a carefully selected blend of New Zealand hops with just enough bitterness to leave you wanting more. So let's see what I thought of ETAP. 27th of April 2020. My first beer this week and out of this brand new box, a bottle of beer from Six Degrees North. It's a great brewery, I've had their beers before, never in bottle. We brew in the northeast of Scotland, Six Degrees North of Brussels. We are blessed with pure soft water and the fields abound with high quality barley. Our beers are unfiltered and carbonated through secondary fermentation. This beer is called ETAP. It's a double dry hopped pale ale. And it says, ETAP is a double dry hopped pale, preserving bold stone fruit flavours from a carefully selected blend of New Zealand hops with just enough bitterness to leave you wanting more. This is exclusive, brewed exclusively for Beer 52, and it has a best before of 11... 2020, so November. That's okay, that's well in date. So let's get this out into my glass. I'm back to my chief and mitre glass. We're all beer fest glass. Right, here we go. And it's got the, I'll show you the cap, it's got the six degrees north bottle top. Just before I scoop it off. It's not going in my glass again this week. There we go, that pours a nice gold colour, very carbonated, it's got a one, two finger foamy white head. There it is, nice crisp clear golden colour. Mmm, yeah, I'm guessing the fruity aroma it says, it's, uh, it's stone fruit. Cheers. Alright, let's uh, see what this tastes like then. 3.8%. And it comes packaged in a 330 milliliter bottle. Mm. It's not too bad actually. Um, yeah, it's a uh, A little bit dry on the back end. Mm. 
stone fruit has a very interesting taste. That's not bad. Quite nice. Is refreshing. Three point eight percent. That's not a bad little beer. I'll give that a three and a half out of five. That's not too bad. That. Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. From Stonehaven, Aberdeenshire, we are travelling north, a long way north, two hundred and sixty miles north, to be precise, through Elgin, through Inverness. Wick, Thurso and John O'Groats off the top of Scotland across the North Sea to a group of islands off the top of Scotland known as the Orkney Islands it's 268 miles to this brewery so we come onto the Isle of Orkney and we head north again this is as far north in the Orkney Islands as, well not as far north as you can get, but almost. We are going to the north end of the main island, to the town of Abunda Hill, to the Swanay Brewery. Now you may recognise this name. I've had Swanay a couple of times at um, the D Hotel, the Weatherspoons in West Kirby, and the can that came out of this box was a 5% sweet milk stout called a Vo. And if you're wondering what Vo means, I'll tell you in the review. So here's what you said about Vaux, out of the beer 52 from it magazine. Vaux Oat Milk Stout, Swanee Brewery, ABV 5% style, Oat Milk Stout. Pale malt, crystal malt, roasted barley, oats and lactose combined with mostly noble, bar a little Chinook, hops, for a smooth, sweet, slightly roasty, and ever so tingly hoppy lactose oat stout. Hey guys, welcome back. Okay, so my second beer for today, after much hassle, almost 13 minutes I've been trying to get this thing started. 7th of April 2020, my next beer up out of this box from Scotland, from Beer 52, is Swanay Brewery, Vogue. says on the back of it, Swanay Brewery was born out of Rob Hill's passion for beer. Since 2008 we've been bringing a barn on Orkney's remote northwesterly tip. An area known as Swanay. Our mutiny range, devised by Robson Lewis, both complement and contrast Swanay's core offering. Viking Beer, Swanay Brewery. Vaux was awarded a silver medal at the coveted International Beer Awards in 2018. So it's hand brewed on Orkney, sweet milk stout. This is a 5% milk stout, has a use by of December 2020. It's out of my box from November 2019. There's your can, nice brightly coloured, lots of coloured stripes on it and it's got a crossbones with Vaux written across the front. Oh, there's more. Vaux. A sweet milk stout with plenty of roast malt and coffee flavours. From the complex malt bill in Orcadian, a Vaux is a small creek or bay. Vaux is a small creek or bay on the Isle of Orkney. So let's crack this, get into my glass. What am I drinking out of today? We'll be a festival glasses back. So let's crack this and see what I think. Opened with a nice satisfying crack. That should be enough to taste. So they brew on the northern tip of Orkney, probably 
around a creek or a bay if this beer named anything to go by. But we'll find out more when I read the magazine. Mmm, ooh, ooh, that's nice. That's just the sort of stout I like. Mmm, mm. nice, sweet, chocolatey, a little bit bitter. That is nice, that. I'm going to leave that a four out of five. That is nice. I like that. That's just the sort of stout I like. Nice and sweet to begin with, not too dry on the back end. Just going to make sure I don't drop it down this blue shears or it'll make a mess. Yeah, that's very nice, isn't it? Cheers guys. Our next beer came from Stirlingshire. Kippen Railway Station, now home to our brewery, sits at the foot of the Fintry Hills in the heart of rural Stirlingshire, with views across the Forth Valley to the mountains to the southwest islands. We brew modern interpretations of classic styles with an emphasis on bold flavours and New World hops. First opened in 1586, this busy Victorian station played an important part in Stirlingshire's rich rural heritage. One of the many stations on the Fourth Clyde Line, it was the route's second busiest stop due to two creameries, a sandstone quarry and the Boquan brick and tile works, using it as their main route to Glasgow, and two nearby country houses receiving visitors throughout the year. Although it closed in 1934, its industrial legacy continues today as Fallen Brewing Company. Living and working in such an inspirational setting makes us very aware of the natural environment around us. From our back door we can see the peaks of Ben Lomond, Ben Leddy, Ben View, Ben Vorlich and Stuc Acrion. We run our brewery using electricity from 100% renewable sources via good energy. All our waste malt goes to local farmers for cattle feed and waste hops are composted for the garden. We brew our beers with soft Scottish water, the highest quality malts and the best hops from around the world, and our favourite yeast strains. All our beers are naturally carbonated and on filters. Our kegs and cans are unfined and vegan friendly. We do use lactose in some of our beers, e.g. Choo Choo and Raspberry Dog Chew, so check the beer specifications if you're looking for vegan friendly beers. Okay, so the core range. Local Motive, a 3.9% Session IPA. Dragonfly, a 4.6% American Amber. Grapevine, a 5.4% New World Pale. Choo Choo, a 6% Salted Caramel Stout. Their occasionals range, seasonal beers, are Stirliner Weiss, Peach and Passion Fruit Berliner Weiss, 4.5%. Black House Reserve, an Islay Cascade Smoked Porter, 10%. Big Raspberry Dog Chew, a Salted Caramel and Raspberry Milk Stout, 10%. Sleeper Pills, a 5.3% Pilsner. Black House, a 5% Smoked Porter. Branch Line, a 4.7% Porter. Just the Ticket, a 4% Pale Ale. And a dragonfly, a 4.6% American amber. So let's see what I got this time. This is what the write-up said on Wanganui. Fallen Brewing Co. Wanganui. 4.6% Kiwi Pale Ale. Easy drinking pale ale brewed with Huel Melon and Tahiki hops. Flavours of ripe kiwi fruit perfectly complements the subtle melon tropical fruit flavours. Gentle and refreshing hot bitterness finish which brings you back for more. 28th of April 2020 it's been a cold 
wet, rainy. Not a very nice day here in Triada Bay, so yeah, I'm wearing a jumper. So tonight I have a can of beer for you from Fallen Brewing, out of my Scotland box from Beer 52. So that's your can, it's quite plain, it's white at the bottom with like a metallic um, colouring around the top. So Fallen are from Kippen, just outside Stirling. And the description for this one says, Low bitterness hopped with Huel Melon and Taiheki for a fruity tropical flavour and finished with a kiwi addition of ripe kiwi fruit. So they're actually kiwi in it. As this is a kiwi beer, I'm guessing it's a... Uh, it says a Kiwi Pale Ale, I'm assuming it's an NZPA, a New Zealand Pale Ale. This is Wanganui, it's called. There it is, it is 4.6% and has a use-by of 10.20. And it's 8.50, I'd better get on drinking it. But it's by of October. So let's crack this open and see what I think. Um, drink out my Salopian glass. My Royal Beer Festival glass is still in my room. Got to go bring that back. Ah. Wow, a lot of foam on that when I opened it. Look at that. Look at that lot. I've lost the key tab. It's lost in foam. Wow, look at the head on that. One, two, three, four finger foamy white head. It's a nice clear golden colour. Mmm, yeah, definitely smelling the... This Huel melon hop seems to give beer like a melon aroma and taste. And I'm definitely spelling the melon. Okay, right. See what I think of this one. There you go, see that's settled quite quickly now to a one and a half finger foam in my head. Nice clear golden colour. You can see the carbonation running up it, you can see the bubbles running up that. Alright, let's get this down me and see what I think. Mmm. Interesting, a little bit sweet, it's got almost a honey quality to it, um, yeah, definitely interesting, sweet to begin with, but then those flavours sort of taper off a little. That melon flavour is very, very potent. If you don't like melon, then you won't like this, you won't... Um, but that's what the Huel Melon does. It gives it that melon quality. But yeah, it's okay. Um, I'm going to give that three and a half out of five. That is not too bad. All right. Cheers, Scottish guys. Brewing in Numbers from the Scottish Parliament Information Centre. There has been a 229% growth in the number of breweries in Scotland between 2010 and 2018. There was 35 in 2010 and 115 in 2018. I wonder how that's increased in the last two years. 1,000 plus people are now employed in Scottish brewing. That's 7% of the UK total. And 30% of Scottish breweries are based in the Highlands and Islands. Both rural and urban communities have benefited. And our final beer, you might recognise the name of the brewery because it actually featured in the last box as well. Our next brewery actually featured last show, I believe it was the second beer in, they're called 71 Brewing. 71 Brewing, engineers of beers brewed in Scotland. The Brewery. 71 Brewing Co. is an independent brewery based in Dundee, Scotland. Since 2016, we have been crafting crisp lagers and seasonal beers inspired by progressive New World flavours and our favourite traditional classics. Our goal? 
to make a beer that is bold but inclusive, refreshing to the last and always packed with flavour. From the intrigued new consumer to the experienced beer connoisseur, we have flavours and styles that will excite everyone. Quality and consistency are the watchwords, but we are always driven by that creative spark to create something very special. The beers. Our Bluefinch series is an ever-evolving seasonal lineup of progressive craft beers, with ABVs from 2.8% to 5.5%. These beers are accessible to all, as packaged offering in retailers and as high-volume flagship products serve on draft. Our lager range showcases the roots of how we originally started our journey, brewing crisp lagers with a range of classic styles inspired for our travels across the world. These are the beers that people want to buy in big cans and big volumes. Specials and collaborations. An ever-evolving small batch series of beers inspired by the flavours we love and our friends from other UK and international breweries. So that's a bit about them. Let's see what beer I had from them this time. Breakfast Stout, 71 Brewing, 4.5% Milk Stout, created with seven different malts, lactose, Madagascar vanilla pods, and conditioned on Guatemalan cold brew. Dark and smooth with a cinnamon head, aromas of chocolate, vanilla, coffee, milk, and a gorgeous long finish. Hey guys, welcome back. My last beer before the break is 71 Brewing Breakfast Stout. Blueprint series at number 005. Made with coffee from the Sacred Grounds Coffee Company. It's a bit weak for a breakfast stout. Breakfast stouts are usually 6, 7 percentage. Razor toast for breakfast. Created with 7 different malts, lactose, Madagascar vanilla pods, and conditioned Guatemalan cold brew coffee from the Sacred Grounds Coffee Company. A dark and smooth beer with a cinnamon head. Aromas of vanilla, chocolate, coffee, milk and a gorgeous long finish to create the perfect mashup for the start or end of each day. It has a use-by of December 2020. Oh, here we are. 71 Brewings are in the old ironworks Dundee. Although it says brewed in Dundee, Scotland. Right, so let's get this into my glass. I have another glass tonight. I'm drinking this one out of my flavourly glass because I'm doing uh, something a bit different tonight. I'm going to do my... I'm going to finish these beers off. I'm going to do my virtual pub on Periscope. Ooh. And this one also fizzes out over the top very, very slightly. Oh, wow, look at that. That pours a nice black colour. It's got a one, two, three finger, extremely foamy tan head. Definitely smells of coffee. Yeah, I can't really smell anything else in that, but I'm definitely getting the coffee. Wake up and smell the coffee. Alright. See what I think of this then. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm only really getting the taste of coffee in that. So what's it supposed to have? Vanilla, chocolate, coffee, milk. Vanilla, chocolate, coffee and milk. Mm. 
Definitely getting the milk, definitely getting the chocolate. Maybe there's a hint of vanilla there. A little bit on the watery side for me. It's not too bad, it, just the coffee just seems to overwhelm everything else. They can do a little bit more body. I'm going to give that a 3 out of 5. It's not my idea of a breakfast stout. It's a bit too low ABV, a little too thin for my taste. I mean, I don't like money being low ABV as long as it's got, as long as it's nice, thick breakfast stout and that isn't important. Try this for yourself if you see it. This one isn't brewed exclusively for beer 52 by the looks of it. So you'll probably see this around. Alright, cheers guys. Our music this week comes from a British country music duo called Ashton Lane. Ashton Lane are husband and wife country duo Esther and Tim O'Connor. Both prolific songwriters with a passion for the country music tradition of storytelling and a talent for writing soaring melodic hooks. The duo take a refreshing and somewhat maverick approach to the music business, having successfully developed an initiative direct-to-fan record label, which sees them not only releasing new music, but also allows them the space to directly collaborate with their fans. The latest studio, The In-Between, has been number one on the UK country chart for two weeks, or was back at the end of last year. So. Let's see what I think of them. Let's see what you think of them. This isn't off their latest album. This is the title track of their first album. It's called Nashville Heart. You swept me off my feet when we first met. Nashville took my breath. I can't forget. You took my heart. We took our time on the Tennessee line Where wild tiger lilies grow Dogwoods in spring Beside a country road The sky that sings The grace that shines Down the Tennessee line Southern beat draws you in And everyone plays and sings their dreams And I love you with my Nashville heart All I ask of you is don't tear them to apart Caught me up my 
back from that piece of music and we're going into the second half of the podcast with the second week of my beer reviews and another four beers out of the box. For the beginning of week two we returned to Stonehaven Aberdeenshire and Six Degrees North Brewery. So we started the last segment with what Beer 52's Ferment Magazine said about Six Degrees North. Let's see what they say about themselves. This is the about section from their website. Six Degrees North was established in 2013. The concept was born in Belgium when founder Robert Lindsay fell in love with the country's beer culture and tradition. He soon returned to North East Scotland to start brewing his own beers. Six degrees north of Brussels. We make modern artisanal beers that are driven by Belgian brewing tradition and inspired by modern brewing practices. Our beers are unfiltered and carbonated naturally through secondary fermentation. We brew classic Belgian-inspired beers as well as modern hop-forward styles. We also release a number of collaboration beers each year with other breweries. Since 2013, Six Degrees North has grown exponentially and we now employ 80 staff across five sites. Six Degrees North has become a beacon quality for craft beer and we continue to grow the brand year on year. We currently have five bars in Aberdeen, Stonehaven, Edinburgh, Glasgow and Dundee with each spreading the word of Six Degrees North. Our bars have a continental feel, with minimal, understated decor throughout. We take influence from our favourite Belgian bars to create a relaxed, friendly environment to enjoy great craft beers with friends. And the next Six Degrees North beer that came out of this box was an American pale ale called Velo. Hey guys, and welcome. So here we are, it's nice and sunny, I'm sat in the back garden today. So, first and foremost, happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Right, what have I got today? Here's your bottle cap. It's 6 degrees north from Stonehaven, just outside Edinburgh. And this is a bottle of their Velo, coming in at 5.5%. Expiry of 11.20, so still well in date. And it says on the back of this, We brew in the east of Scotland, 6 degrees north of Brussels. We are blessed with pure soft water and fields abound with high quality barley. Our beers are unfiltered and carbonated through secondary fermentation. Velo is a classic pale with a US yeast providing a clean, refreshing backbone, allowing us to showcase some of Europe's best hop varieties, Huel Melon, Miranda Bavaria and German Cascade. 
to provide a distinctly tropical aroma with a balanced dry finish. So that sounds more like Germany's best hops rather than Europe in general, but there we are. So yeah, um, oh no, 6 degrees north, sorry I'm thinking of the wrong one. These guys are Aberdeen, I'm thinking these are Edinburgh. They're Aberdeen, 6 degrees north, Lawrence Kirk. So this is Velo, or Love if you read it from the bottom upwards, read it from right to left. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of this one. There we are, 6 degrees north, American Pale Ale, let's see what Untapped has to say on it. Here's it when Untapped does this. Right, let's get it out into my glass and I'll have a look at that in a minute. It's in a brown bottle with a white and blue label. Wow, that was on tight. <laughs> Drinking out of my Whirlby Fest class again. Right. There we go. Just enough to. As always with the bottles, my De Herald and Bruges bottle opener from the Netherlands. Right. So it's a nice, crisp, dark golden. Orangey colour, nice tropical smells, but it's got Huel melanism, isn't it? So it's going to have that very much a melon taste to it. The head's dissipated almost immediately, leaving a very foamy white head. There it goes. Mmm, oh, that is nice. Mmm, just like it says, it's very fruity, a little bit dry to finish. Mm. Oh, I'm liking that. Yeah, it's got a huel melon in, so it's got like a melon flavour to it. Yeah, so the write-up on there is exactly the same as what's on the bottle. Yeah, Aberdeen. Just outside Aberdeen, this one's Stonehaven, Aberdeen, Do you know? Mmm, that is nice, yeah, I like that. Nice, sweet, juicy, fruity taste to it. Another good pick, though. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. Yeah. Coming from the, the beautiful Scottish borders, Tempest Brewing is one of the nice breweries you'll ever find. And the beers are excellent to boot. It's shaping up to be an excellent 2019 for Tempest, following a couple of years of really intensive growth, with a couple of high-profile collaborations on the card, and a possible move to a new brewery with a dedicated taproom. Needless to say, we intend to check in on the scene's progress as frequently as our livers allow. Tempest Brewing are from Tweed Bank in the Scottish Borders. They started in 2010. So this is a little bit about Tempest Brewing in 10 years. 2010. Gavin and Anika Mickeljohn met in a brew pub in Canada before travelling the world together and finally settling down in New Zealand. It was there, while working as a chef, that Gavin began home brewing in their garage in Christchurch. That was all the motivation that was needed to move back to Scotland and make beers that could match the quality of Gavin's culinary creations. Then, in April 2010, they set up a 10-barrel brewery in a disused dairy, and the Tempest story begins. We were making beer in New Zealand, and my friends would come over from Scotland, and that's why they couldn't buy beer like this back home. The beer is pouring. 2011. Things started quickly falling into place. The Tempest brand began to emerge. We wanted to incorporate a brand identity for the brewery that highlighted the creativity of the brewing process. The name Tempest suited the way I approached making beer. It enables us 
to brand the brewery and then release different beers under the Tempest umbrella. And most importantly, it enables me to have a monster on the pump clip. There you go. That's the most important thing, isn't it? 2012. As a cult following began to assemble, so too did the brewing philosophy. The importance of challenging your own ideas and consistently innovating became a cornerstone of this fledgling brewery. Putting the emphasis on brewing with the biggest flavour possible became a touchstone. Dry hopping, specialist malts and sourcing expensive New Zealand and American hop varieties. This was purely about making the best beer we could imagine. I'm not a comfort brewer in that I'm not interested in creating a beer and sitting back and thinking. That is all the hard work done. 2013. Big in Japan, as well as Romania, Serbia and Singapore. Gavin may have hung up his chef's whites. Ingredients and knowledge of flavour combinations would begin to influence the beers we were making. Smoky beers, chilli beers, fruit beers, nothing was off limits. The line between creativity and gibbery is a fine one. But we made beers then, like now, simply because we wanted to drink them. And as luck would have it, other people wanted to drink them too. So orders started coming in from random outposts across Europe and even Asia. It almost became easier to pick up a bottle of Long White Cloud in Bucharest than it did in Glasgow. 2014. Our reputation for making big beers started to precede us. We were pushing our Kelso brewery to the absolute limits to keep up with demand. It became undeniable that we had to move the operation to somewhere bigger, and quickly at that. We knew we weren't going to move far, because the water in the borders was exceptionally good and soft. And the idea of carting our brewery equipment across the country didn't particularly excite us. And in late 2014, we signed a lease for a new 30 hectolitre brewery in Tweedbank, with more space for brewing, and we added a bottling line. 2015. From our new brew house came new beers. A lot of them. And new branding. Having struggled with the limitations of an old dairy farm, this felt like a real turning point for the brewery and the right time to be in carving out our own territory in what was fast becoming an extremely crowded space. New for 2015 was an oyster stout made with 200 fresh Lindisfarne oysters. That should do it. And the award goes to... 2016. We know it's crass to talk about the awards you won, but 2016 seemed to be a year where we were picking up an award every other week. There's nothing like a bit of industry recognition to make you appreciate how far you've come. Equally, there's nothing like a bit of industry recognition to give way to complacency. And just as we started to believe our own bullshit, we remembered why we started doing this in the first place. To make beer we want to drink, right now. Not what we think a judging panel would want us to make. 2017. In 2017 we threw open the brewery doors, put up a marquee in the estate and hosted the inaugural Springfest and Oktoberfest festivals. Would anyone come? Unsurprisingly, people will flock to an industrial estate in the name of good beer. Good beer, good music and good vibes. Our festivals have grown every year since. Now both Springfest and Oktoberfest have become mainstays of the craft beer calendar. 2018. A small brewery from the Scottish borders is named in Rape Beer's 100 Best Breweries in the World. 2019. Brewing for Good. In 2019, we became the first brewery in the UK to join the 1% for the planet and donate 1% of our sales to a mix of monetary, in-kind and approved promotional support for environmental non-profits. This means getting involved in various projects to offset our carbon footprint and connecting with the local environmental causes. We don't like to talk about our charity work either. So a little bit about Tempest Brewing. 
I had a beer from them a few weeks ago. Let's see which one I had this time. Tempest Bruco, Black Kolsch. This is a cologne style ale with the heart of darkness. What lies beneath the crisp, delicate, refreshing trademarks of a cold fermented Kolsch is something much darker. Expect unexpected flavours of chocolate, roasted malt, pine and a hint of spice. Happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. 4th of May 2020. I am drinking an unusual beer tonight from Tempest Bruco. Brewed exclusively for Beer 52. This is a black Kolsch. It's 4.8%. So Kolsch are usually light coloured. This is a black Kolsch. And it says on it, Oh my Kolsch. This is a cologne style ale with the heart of dark. Don't be fooled. This has a delicate and refreshing trademarks of a cold filtered Kolsch. The twist of dark malt and the dark art. So, see what this is like then. Don't drink many Kolsch's. It's not a style I find very often. Good traditional German style beer. Drinking out of my Wirral Beer Festival glass. And as always, opening with my De Heldenbridge bottle opener from the Netherlands. Alright, so it's 5.5%. No, it's 4.8%. Tempest Brewing are from Tweed Bank on the Scottish Borders. So let's get this out into a glass and see what I think of it. Wow, smells fruity. I can smell that from here. Ooh, that is a good black colour. And that has got a one, two, three finger tan head. Mmm. If I remember correctly, cultures are generally made in um, slightly soured, made in a cool chip, it's called. Right, it smells interesting. Smells smoky. That's not my thing. Wow. Wow, that's smoky. That's like drinking a fire. There we go, it's gone down. That had a lot of head to begin with. Mm. No, that is not for me. Very smoky, very woody. Not my thing at all, that. I'm going to give that a very slight sweetness on the back end. I'm going to give that a 2.5 out of 5. The other thing is, 10, 15 years ago, I would have really liked this. I was went through a phase where I was into my really smoky stuff. Cheers, guys. My next beer came from Cross Borders Brewery. Now, this is a little bit about Cross Borders Brewery. Taken from Beer 52's Ferment Magazine, written by Richard Crowstown. Living in Edinburgh, Cross Borders was for a long time one of those breweries I was aware of, but hadn't really engaged with them. Then one day last summer, I spotted the brewery's heavy was on cask at my local, decided to give it a go, and was mightily impressed by how perfectly they nailed this traditional Scottish style. Not with a twist, as many breweries would have done, but a straight up bang on style beer. This of course, makes sense. Although part of the inspiration for Cross Borders was co-founder Gary's time in the US, as his wife is American, its mission has always been to produce traditional British ales for a modern audience. Co-founders Johnny and Gary have been friends since primary school, says manager Craig Hannigan. Gary has always been into brewing, which he got from his dad, who was an avid home brewer in the 80s. While Gary was in the US becoming obsessed with the craft scene over there, Johnny was back here doing his Harriet Watt Masters, then working for Stuart Brewing. They were both really fired up and decided to launch with a focus on traditional styles with great drinkability, but done in an interesting way. Our first beer was a British style IPA with a balanced bitterness and no crazy juice aromas, then a porter and then our heavy. 
The latter was a real critical hit for the brewery, being one of the highest rated ordinary best bitters on rate beer, and for me it sums up its appeal perfectly. Particularly on cask, it's super soft, with rich bready malt and just a whiff of dark fruit, balanced out by a lingering bitterness and gently floral hops. It's a style most wouldn't bother to brew at all, or at least not put this much care into. Of course, IPAs and pales are always going to be the big sellers, so Cross Borders also quickly found ways to give customers what they want or remain true to their values. Braw IPA and Wee Braw Session also rated highly online, while remaining eminently crushable, which are not easy things to reconcile. We've done three variations of IPA now. At least one new Citra, Centennial and Amarillo. We don't contract any of our hops, because often it works out more expensive than buying them in the open market. So we'll regularly end up changing our hop bills to include whatever's available and what's good. It's happened at a lot of breweries, but we make a point to tell our customers about it. So for example, when we found it was very difficult to buy Galaxy in the quantities we needed, we started using Equinot instead, which has an amazing aroma and has proven to be very popular. Then we'll alternate between a New Zealand hop called Summer and Slovenian Styrian Dragon. Bill's Beer, which is a charity beer we brew with the Bill McLaren Foundation, used US Cascade, but then we switched to Falcon's Flight, which is an aromatic blend of the Seven Seas and makes a brew very Moorish. It's clear that Cross Borders' respect for traditional styles doesn't preclude experimentation though. We'd all get bored to death just doing the same thing all the time, and it's this different approach in the Soriachi Saison, included in this month's Beer 52 box. The Saison we're brewing for you will really be an interesting one, says Craig. Belgian beers are usually so much about yeast, and we felt a hop like Soriachi would really play well with the way that beer works. I wanted to use Soriachi for ages, but it would really be too much for our pale ales, because it's so distinctive. But we've done a number of trial brews for the Saison, and it really, really marries together well. Not in the mix box it isn't. What was the Cross Borders? The Hop Series Pale. Cross Borders home is in the small village of Eskbank, just outside of Edinburgh, and is a large part of the village's identity. Its DIY feeding tap room was originally only open for a fortnight, with the seating separated from the brewery floor with pallets and safety tape. But word spread. And by last November, these regular nights had become so popular they were going weekly. Next year, Craig hopes to organise a mini beer festival with food trucks and other local breweries. I've been working in the tap room since we started it, and I love it, he says. We started off with a single bottle of Edinburgh gin, and we've built up from there. Now we've got spirits, wine, soft drinks, cakes, all from producers that we know locally. It's exactly what we personally would want for a taproom. There's definitely no shortage of ambition here. The small team of four, including production manager Gordon, is sometimes brewing three times a week to keep up with demand. And there's plenty of space in that current unit to add more fermentation vessels and conditioning tanks. There's even talk of a dedicated canning line. We're a really tight collaborative team, concludes Craig. I talked to people in other breweries who complain that they're going to have to go out and sell beers they've not really been involved with and don't know all that much about. It's absolutely not like that here. We all have a real sense of ownership and pride in everything we brew and sell. 
As I'm packing up my camera, a group of my Beer 52 colleagues arrive unexpectedly and are cheerfully greeted by Craig. It's Friday night, and what could be better than a little post-work beer and ping-pong? Doesn't look like I'll be making it home just yet, after all. So, this is what the Ferment magazine had to say on Hop Series Pale. Hop Series Pale, Cross Borders Brewing Co. ABV 3.8%, style American Pale Ale. Tasting notes. Hop Series Pale is an adaptation of the very first pale from their core range. Each batch is unique yet consistent in flavour. By exploring different dry hop combinations, it's ensured that each new batch is exciting and yet familiar. This batch is brewed with Equinot and Amarillo hops. Hey guys, welcome to Triada Bay here on Tuesday afternoon, the 5th May 2020. Some would say it's the second Star Wars day. Now they say it's the return of the 5th. Oh, and uh, the dog's out on the balcony and she can hear me and she's woofing away. What's the temperature today? Let me just go check the thermometer. It should be about 16, 17 degrees. It's nice again today. There we go. How's that? <laughs> Flat bang in the middle. 16 and a half degrees today. Out here in the garden. Right, so today I am drinking... My penultimate beer from the Scotland box. This is Cross Borders Brewing Hop Series Pale. Best before of 0521. Then this comes in a 330ml bottle. Cross Borders Brewing Company are from Dalkeith, which is just outside Edinburgh. So let's get this out into my Royal Beer Festival glass and see what I think. Got my De Haldenbridge bottle opener again. Got my Dutch bottle opener when I, was, when I was in the Netherlands in 2013, I believe it was. So, nothing on the cap list, just a plain cap for cross borders. There we go. That should be enough. Cheers, guys. It's a nice, clean. Dark golden colour. There's lots of bubbles rushing up that. There's lots of carbonation in that. Cheers, guys. Mmm. Ooh. Ooh, that's really nice, that. Mm. Nice, hoppy. It's very windy out here. Mmm. It's really nice. Sweet. Um, a little bit of a malty sweetness to it. And then it's got very much a hopped character to it as well. Mm. That is nice, I'm liking that, especially for a 3.8% beer. Just what I need when it's uh, 16 and a half degrees outside. Mm. Mm. Yeah, a little bit fruity, lots of hop characters to that. I'm giving that a 4 out of 5, that is really nice. Really, really nice, and, and I get the feeling everything's going to blow away in a minute, so I'm going to go. I will be back uh, a little later with the final beer out of this box. Right. Cheers, guys. Have a good afternoon. Enjoy yourselves, whatever you're doing. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. And the final beer out of the Scotland box. 
came from Harvestune. Flavor Tune, written by Beer 52 Richard Crochdale. Notwithstanding many other fantastic breweries in the area, it's probably fair to say that Harvestune is the Central Belt's local craft brewery. It's an institution, part of the furniture. In these times, it's a genuine comfort to get into almost any decent pub and sink a pint of bitter and twisted or shillion, which is their craft lager. They're great beers, as evidenced by the groaning awards cabinet in the brewery's reception area. And I'm here today to meet the man who's largely responsible for their creation and continued success. So I started by shaking hands with genuine gratitude. Head brewer Stuart Crail has been at Harvest Dune for 22 years, from the days when it was run out of a farm building in Fife with only a 10 barrel brew house. Many of the recipes devised in the early days remain the brewery's flagships, including its old engine all Black Ale, originally created in collaboration with a local home brewer. It's a truly classic example of the style, brewed dark and strong, with now aroma hops and a pronounced roasted coffee bitterness. When we first started brewing Old Indianor on the old kit, the mash bill was so huge that the mashing in was really back-breaking work, and we'd actually not get much mash out of it, Stuart said. It was a 10-barrel kit, and we were only getting 5 barrels of wort. The solution was to work with Muntons the Maltsters, who produced a bespoke malt extract for us. That worked well until winter. We were still on the farm at that point and these big containers of malt extract were stored outside. Of course as soon as the temperature dropped off this stuff turned to tar. So we'd have to go in a couple of hours early with hot water and a paddle just to make it a liquid again. Old Endinar was and continues to be a huge hit but Harvest Dune's big break came when bitter and twisted was named Champion Beer of Britain in 2003. The damn thing went through the roof. You never liked letting people down and we never had. And we didn't want to contract it out, so we just built a bigger brewery. We were probably ready for brew by that point anyway, and being able to design somewhere from scratch was a real luxury. Plus, no more mornings with the paddle in the kettle. Harvest soon bought an old brew house from Cornwall's St Austell Brewery, repurposing its 30 barrel mash tun and whirlpool into two mash tuns for a bigger brew. They still use the same kit to fill an array of irregularly shaped and sized fermentation vessels in and around the brewery. All the hallmarks of a truly organic growth. Today, such is the ubiquity of Harvest Dune's beers around Edinburgh that it's easy to forget the brewery's genuinely groundbreaking credentials. It was a true craft brewery in every sense of the word at a time when such a thing was simply unheard of on a local level. It also ticked off a number of firsts that have become standard practice, including barrel-aging a beer, its Ola Dub, which translates fittingly as black oil, in barrels formerly used to mature Highland Park 12-year-old whisky. It retains an exclusive deal with that distillery, which has been extended to older barrel classes. It also continues to experiment out of a passion for exploration, rather than any sense of pressure from a constantly evolving beer market. A project that seems to have Stuart particularly animated is his Solera system of cherry butts currently maturing batch after tiny batch of a Scottish old ale he's brewed on this pilot kit. It will never be produced in huge volumes and it may not even work but seeing the beer change and mature with every rotation is giving him and his team a lot of pleasure. But the scene has changed drastically around Harvestune as craft beer has taken a hold in the UK and found a real home in Scotland. Stuart has been happy to see these developments 
and is proud of the quality that Scotland has achieved. There are some great brewers out there, he said. It's changed hugely in the terms of numbers, but also what they're doing. So if you look at the likes of 71 Brewing, who are very experimental, they're brewing some great beers and they're nice guys. I've always found one of the things that makes a brewing such a satisfying industry is that it's so collaborative and open. When you find a brewery like 71, it's a happy day, of course. The bottom line is that anyone that is brewing good beer, I like them because it helps all of us. It's like someone who tries cask beer for the first time, and it's good, and you've got them. If it's bad, they may never try it again. But it's the same with craft. So anyone who's not a good brewer, I've got a problem with. And brewing expertise is something Stuart thinks a lot about. While a lot of the staff at Harvest Dune have been around since the early days, there is a notably high churn among the brewing staff. This isn't as worrying as it seems, though. Himself a graduate of Harriet Watts' brewing and distilling course, Stewart has a long history of taking on newly trained brewers, giving them an opportunity to turn their knowledge into practical skill, and then waving them off into the industry. It seems like a great start to any career. Harvest Dune's beers are technically top-notch, brewed on a kit with minimal automation, and with the attitude to raw ingredients that is clearly respectful. Every year, Stuart will travel to inspect the hop harvests and make decisions about his order. He has a great relationship with his maltsters and frequently sends his junior brewers on Charles Farm's hop walk to get a feel for what they will be working with. Just explaining how all these things work is hard. You really need to see where the ingredients came from and talk to the people who grew them and get a sense that this is a live, changeable thing rather than something that you can buy in a bag and forget about. For me, that's the basis of good brewing. You've got to have a deep understanding of where the beer comes from to shape what it will become. So let's see what Harvesting beer I got in this box. Old Engine Oil, Harvesting Brewery, 6% Black Ale, a rich full-bodied black ale with a thick dark chocolatey viscosity. Roasted malt gives it a rich black colour and plenty of oats give it a wonderful velvety mouthfeel. Flavours of coffee, dark chocolate and a bitter sweet aftertaste. To finish Scotland, we have one of the best breweries in tune, Harvey's Tune Brewery. Harvey's Tune are from Alva, just outside Edinburgh. Far enough outside not have an Edinburgh postcode. Down your tools and take a swig of this classic black ale, beautifully engineered with premium roast malt for a velvety mouthfeel. It's proper vintage stuff, all thanks to the meticulous handiwork from our master brewers. 6% ABV comes in a 330ml bottle. Ooh, sounds like they've changed it. This sounds like what it used to say. This beer is just the job for anyone who appreciates beautifully engineered stuff that used to be made properly. So undo the top button of your pressed pit overalls, ease into the wing back and draw out a rare taste of truly great British beer. Blame your own trumpet, but Old Engine Oil is a remarkably smooth, creamy brew a beautifully velvety mouth and doing flavours of coffee, slightly buttered toffee, dark chocolate and earthy hops. You may also find mild cherry fruit within the residual sweetness, neatly accompanying the roast flavours that ride with you all the way to the finish. Born in 2000, this was the first ever winner of the Tesco Beer Challenge and was designed to have a thick, dark, gloopy appearance. We piled in the oats to smooth out the bitterness from the roasted barley and laid on a super high temperature mash to make the wort less fermentable. The result is a really black beer that has a great sweetness 
and full of flavour than most of the stouts or porters, as well as surprisingly light texture. Roasted barley and oats and hops are East Kent Goldings, Fuggles, both of which are quite common, most beers, and one I've never heard of, Galena. So let's decant this into the glass and see what I think. I've had this once before in Weatherspoons, the Brass Balance in Birkenhead, in April of 2018. Not quite, I had it on the 6th of April 18. Right, so I love that bottle cap, I love the mouse. He's so cool. Alright, let's decant this into my Wirral Beer Festival glass and see what I think. Opens with a good as you heard. Ah. <laughs> that actually came out of the glass. I better wipe that up before it gets on my nice clean blue shirt. Though that has got a one and a half finger foamy tan head. Let's see what I think of Harvey Stewart. Old engine on. Mmm, oh, that's quite nice actually. Mmm, nice creamy, roasty. I'm getting the chocolate you talked about in the description. Yeah, that's nice, that. I'm getting the chocolate, I'm getting the licorice. Coffee's maybe there in the dryness on the back end, a little bit of dryness on the back end, but all in all, very nice, very sweet. Yeah, that is nice. That is nice, I like that. Nice, sweet, almost treacle-like bird toffees. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. Alright, have a great evening guys. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's anything you've seen that you think I should try and review, then you can get in contact by emailing cyberbeer at cyberbeer.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using at cyber underscore beer. Or you can find us on Facebook by typing in cyberbeer. And if you want to see the process in process, Follow me on Twitter and Periscope. Periscope is just at Cyberbeer, all one word. Or you can watch through the Twitter account or on the Facebook account. I go live on Facebook as well. On a Monday and a Tuesday, set your notifications because I never really know when I'm going to go live. Don't have a set time. It depends on the weather. It's sometimes afternoon, sometimes it's evenings. Sometimes it's a bit of both. And occasionally I do a weekend as well, a Saturday or a Sunday. Or both. So just stay tuned to find out what's going on. So like, set your notifications, so you're notified when I go live, to find out where I am and what I'm doing that week. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get the next episode when it drops.